Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Well, good morning, you guys. So glad to be here. Welcome to No Limits. So thankful you're joining us here at church. Y'all know this is the best place to be on a Sunday morning. Y'all made a good choice being here. If you're joining us online, just want to say hey to you. I'm really glad that you're with us today. We're kicking off a new series today called God of Miracles. Anybody up for a miracle? Anybody? Yeah, we're believing God to do some mighty things in our church and in our lives. We're going to, we're going to see people healed. We're going to see some financial miracles. We're going to see all kinds of miracles over the next four weeks. I'm confident and I'm excited for it. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born. It's a journey you don't get there overnight, and you don't get there by yourself. And that's why we get together on Sundays. That's why we get together throughout the week in our small groups. And the goal we're reaching for is found in Ephesians 3.20, which basically tells us that God wants to blow our minds with what he can accomplish through us as a group of believers who just come together and say, yes, God, do your thing. So that's what we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and look at whoever's next to you and say, I think it's time to take the limits off. Well, I want to take a moment to welcome the kiddos in the room. If you're a kiddo, raise your hand, wave at me. I want you to know that we're really glad that you're in here with us. Yeah, we're so excited. And the reason we're doing this, guys, is because we had a little bit of a conviction because the Word of God, you'll, you'll see Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and how he would often bring up children with him to teach the principles. So that means children were there in the midst. And I think the American church has gotten a little bit away from what we probably are supposed to do as a family. Like, the children should be part of what we're doing. It's not like the kids do their thing, the adults do their thing. Sure, it's okay to separate occasionally or sometimes, but we should also do some things together. Does everybody agree with that? So y'all, it's an extreme pleasure to have you guys in here, you kiddos. I'm really glad that you're with us. And actually, you're going to be able to teach the adults something today because we're talking about faith. And Jesus says that you guys are better at faith than any of the adults in the room, all right? So can you just plug in and teach us something today? Yeah, you, you can. All right, this is going to be an amazing series. I'm excited. I can sense God ready to perform amazing miracles here at No Limits. He's been ready to do it for a long time. He's just been waiting for us to get to a place of receiving. Many people believe that God withholds miracles, that he, uh, they think like God only dishes out miracles like when he wants to or whenever we've done everything perfect. And it's actually this kind of incorrect thinking that keeps us from seeing the miracles of God because we're preventing him from performing them. You see, the miracle already exists. Healing already exists. Prosperity already exists. Freedom already exists. But we push it all away through our own doubt and unbelief. It reminds me of electricity. It has existed since the beginning of time, but we didn't discover how to use it until the 1800s. Before then, people doubted its power. They were scared of it, and so they didn't use it. Like Adam and Eve could have had electricity to cool their treehouse and to have lights at night. They really, it was there. They could have used it. They just didn't know how to use it. You see, the promises of God are the same way. He's promised you healing. He's promised you protection. He's promised you prosperity. If you don't have these things in your life, it's because you haven't figured out how to use these promises. So quit blaming it on God. 
That's step one, y'all. We got to quit blaming it on God. This isn't God withholding. He's not withholding these things. It's our own fear and it's our own unbelief that keeps us from receiving what God has already provided for us. You see, in Mark chapter 11, we read a story about Jesus and his disciples getting up one morning and they were traveling to Jerusalem and Jesus was hungry. He was real hungry. So he noticed a fig tree and it looked really good. But when he got up to the fig tree, there was no fruit on it. It's kind of like when you guys are real hungry and you see the McDonald's sign off in the distance and you're like, oh, that looks pretty good. I wouldn't normally eat that, but I think I'm gonna go get me a McDouble right now. So that was where Jesus was, right? His mouth was probably watering a little bit, but when he walked up to the tree, there was no fruit on it. It's kind of like pulling up to McDonald's. You look through the drive through window and there's no food inside. Y'all would be pretty upset. You'd be cussing or something. I know you would. And Jesus was upset too. And the funny thing about him being upset is it was too early in the season for this tree to even have fruit. That'd be like you going to McDonald's before they even opened and expecting them to have food ready for you. So the disciples, or what Jesus said right then, he said, no one will ever eat your fruit again. He cursed the fig tree. And his disciples just kind of looked at him like, really, Jesus? Just like you guys are looking right now, like, Jesus, it wasn't even supposed to have fruit. What are you so upset about? But when they got to the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus must have been hangry because he started turning over tables and chairs. You guys know that story, right? This is the same story. It, it rolled right into this. And he was upset because the people in the temple were selling animals for sacrifices. And you know what's interesting to me why, is why he was upset this time. Because selling animals for sacrifices in the temple was normal activity. In other words, all throughout Jesus's life, he'd went to the temple. They were selling animals for sacrifices. But this time... It was the last straw. He was upset. Here's what Jesus said to him. It's found in Mark eleven seventeen. The scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And you know, most people read this and they think that Jesus was upset because they were buying and selling in the temple. Anybody ever heard the message from that point of view? But that can't be what his, he was upset about because people had been buying and selling animals for sacrifices in the temple for a long time. And the reason they were doing it is because God mandated it in the law. You had to have an animal for a sacrifice. So they sold animals at church so that you could go sacrifice. So why was Jesus so upset? I mean, he was just upset at a fig tree that wasn't supposed to have fruit anyway. Now he's upset about this. What is going on with Jesus? Well, let's go back to the scripture that Jesus was talking about because he said the scriptures declare, okay, what are you talking about, Jesus? It's found in Jeremiah 7. Verse nine, it says, do you really think you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, and burn incense to Baal and all these other new gods of yours, and then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant, we're saved, only to go back and do all those evils again? Uh-oh, he's about to call some people out, isn't he? Don't you yourselves admit that this temple which bears my name has become a den of thieves? Surely I see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord, have spoken. Oh, they were thieves because their sacrifice didn't mean anything. They were stealing the lives of these animals to pay for sin that they had no intention of leaving. That's why they were thieves. So they came to the temple. They, they killed an animal as a sacrifice to get forgiveness for that sexual immorality that they committed yesterday, only to walk out of the temple and go do the same thing again. That's what was going on. It's not that God expects us to live perfectly, but he does expect us to tap into the power that Jesus gave us to be free from sin. He declared us free from sin, dead to sin and alive to God. But some of us just don't want to let go of the sin. We'd rather hold on to it than ask God to help us through his power. You know, the religious leaders at this time, they really did not appreciate Jesus coming in and turning over the tables and making this big scene because I bet they made quite a bit of money off of these animals. Like this was some good recurring revenue for them as long as the people would keep on sinning. 
So they weren't going to say anything about him. That's another story for another day. But I'm walking you through this story about Jesus because I want you to know what led up to the part that we're going to talk about in the same chapter and the part that we're going to focus on in this series. But after this dramatic event in the temple, Jesus and his disciples, they headed back to where they were staying. They had a good night's sleep. They got up and they took the same path to Jerusalem and they saw the fig tree again. But this time, the fig tree was dead. So the day before, it was full leaf. It was beautiful tree. The very next day, it was dead. Of course, the disciples remembered how Jesus had cursed the tree, but they were surprised that the tree was actually dead. Y'all, these are the disciples that were surprised. Like they had been with Jesus watching miracle after miracle. They had seen blind eyes open. They had seen leprosy instantly healed. They'd seen demons cast out. And now they're surprised that a fig tree died because Jesus told it to? Like, I don't know about you, but if I were Jesus, this would be about the time that I knocked them all upside the head. I mean, how many miracles does Jesus have to do for you to believe that he can do anything that you ask him to? How many times? Yet here we are. Y'all, we have the privilege of reading about every miracle of Jesus. They didn't have the Bible back then, but we do. We can read all these miracles. Not only that, we can go to YouTube and we can watch miracles being done by the power of God at churches all over the country. Yet here we are, still struggling to believe that God wants to do a miracle in our life. Y'all, we crazy. We more crazy than the disciples. I'm done with this unbelief. I mean, it's, it's a time for we as the people of God. We got to stand up in faith and believe that God can do anything that we ask him to do when it's according to his will. Anything. Well, Jesus didn't knock his disciples upside the head, even though he should have. I really think that he should have. But instead, he corrected their wrong thinking, which brings us to the core scripture for this series. It's found in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Sorry, Mason, you're going to have to go full screen on this one. I needed them to see it all on one slide. Then Jesus said to the disciples, so this was after they were surprised about the fig tree, y'all have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen and have no doubt in your heart. Everybody say no doubt. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. But when you're praying, you got to first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Anybody right now just need to go ahead and forgive something so we can clear the path? Just just do it. It's just a choice that you make. So, but in this short lesson right here that Jesus gave the disciples, he gives us four things that determine our ability to receive miracles. The first one was have faith in God. Second, speak your faith. Say to this mountain. Third, remove the doubt. And fourth, forgive others. And we're going to focus on one of these each week during this series. And I believe over the next four weeks, you're going to discover what's blocking you from receiving your miracle. You're going to be like, aha, how did I miss that all my life? So let me say it again, though. We got to be clear on this. God is not withholding miracles. Everybody say he's not withholding. He's not. You're blocking your own miracle because of your own doubt and unbelief. Say it's me. It's not God. I'm taking responsibility, right? All right, so let's dive into this first one, have faith in God. And of the four, like this one's probably the most obvious, of course. (laughs) I have to have faith in God to see a miracle from God. But the question I'm gonna answer today is what is faith exactly? We all agree that we should have faith in God, yet we don't really have faith in God, (laughs) right? If we had faith in God, we wouldn't get worried when we experience symptoms in our body. Seriously, y'all. We wouldn't worry when we lose our job. Wouldn't even be a concern. We wouldn't worry about anything because when you have faith in God, it doesn't matter what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. God's going to show up and he's going to come to the rescue each time. 
This year, I've noticed that a majority of Christians have abandoned faith. The coronavirus exposed everyone. You either responded with faith or you responded with fear. And I'm not here to get on to people who responded with fear. This isn't a shaming session. I just tell you that so that you can recognize, oops, I responded with fear, so I need to make a change and respond with faith, learn how to respond with faith. You know, many people make fun of faith, the name it and claim it people, or like they have all these things that they say about people who live by faith. And the reason they make fun of faith is because some people do have it wrong. They like to ignore things in the name of faith, thinking that if they ignore it long enough, that their miracle will show up. But that is not faith. Faith is not ignorance. It's not. Faith is not denial. Faith is substance. It's real. It's confidence. Let me show you. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in this scripture, we see two definitions of faith. Faith is substance, and faith is evidence. And if you just read over this real quickly, which we're all kind of prone to do, okay, sounds great. You kind of miss what it means by the word substance. So I looked up the original Greek word translated to substance to give us some more understanding. And it's hypostasis. That's a pretty cool word, right? That which has actual existence. Steadfastness of mind. We're talking about being hard-headed, right? Resolution, confidence. Wow, so faith is knowing that whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're believing for, it already exists. And you've already decided in your mind, this is how it's going to be. It's how it's going to be. You're confident and nothing's going to shake you. Doesn't doesn't that bring a lot more clarity? Just kind of look at, well, what does that word actually mean? Let's just sum it up this way. Here's your first blank to fill in. Faith is confidence in God's word. It's when you get to the point that you notice a symptom in your body and your first thought is, trespasser, get the heck out of here. You don't belong here. And it doesn't matter how long it takes for the symptom to leave because you know that your healing already exists in the spiritual world or the spiritual realm, and you know you will see it come to pass in the physical. It's when you get laid off from your job and your first thought is, okay, cool. This means God has something better for me because the word says that he's already provided everything that I need. He won't let me go hungry. So I'm really looking forward to how he's going to work it out this time. Well, how do we get this kind of confidence in God's word? Well, the book of Romans has your answer. Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you build confidence in the word of God? Hearing and 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 hearing some more. Notice it doesn't say reading. It says hearing. So if you've been reading your Bible silently, it's time to open your mouth and go ahead and read out loud. That's why it's so important for you to come to church as many Sundays as you can because we're dedicated to helping you hear and here, and here, and here, and here, the Word of God. But Sunday's not enough. Y'all need to hear the Word of God every day. And that's why we post a little video on Facebook almost every day, so you guys can hear the Word of God. And let me be honest with you guys, there is no excuse to not hear the Word of God in 2020. You can go to YouTube, and there's an endless supply of preachers and teachers that you can listen to every day. Heck, even the Bible app will read to you. You open it up, and you let it read to you. There is no excuse So quit making excuses. Make a point to hear the word of God every day as if your life depended on it because you know what? If you want to live the abundant life that Jesus died to give you, it does depend on it. It depends on you hearing the word every day. So Hebrews 11 shows us two things. First, faith is confidence in God's word. And we build that confidence by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And here's the next one. Faith is evidence of things we can't see. 
This seems weird to a lot of people when we're talking about having faith in the promises of God. Yet everybody believes in things that you can't see. Like our Wi-Fi signal is all around this room right now. You want to reach up and grab it? It's there. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You just don't see the benefits of it until you connect to the Wi-Fi signal. You know there's TV signals all around us right now too? Like the fake news, you guys, it's all around us right now. We need to get rid of that, huh? We just can't see it. There's no evidence of it until you plug in your TV and you tune in the little rabbit ear things and you pick up the signal. The signal was already there. You just had to tune in and pick it up. God is broadcasting his power and his blessings 24-7 all around us. They're here, even though you can't see it. He's just waiting for you to tune in. He's waiting for you to plug in. He's waiting for you to connect and say, yes, I will receive that through faith. But when we, when we ask God for something and we don't see it happen immediately, most people start to question God, right? Are you here? Can you really do this? Or will you do it for me? I know you did it for them, but will you do it for me? And they assume that because they haven't seen anything, it's not real. Y'all, we need to have more faith in God than we have in a TV station. We know that anybody can access the free TV if they just get a TV, plug in rabbit ears, and pick it up. But yet we don't believe that God's blessings are for us. They may be for you, but they're, not, they're for everybody. You just got to tune in. There's a great illustration of this in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Syrians were at war with Israel. And over and over, the Syrians would gather their troops together and they would create an ambush trying to take out Israel. But every time the prophet Elisha would tell the king of Israel exactly where the ambush was. And so Israel would show up behind the ambush and be like, surprise, we know of your secret ambush and we're going to ambush you. This happened over and over again. I don't know about you, but that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that had to be really frustrating. And it was. The Syrian king got a little upset about this. So he's like, I know somebody in my army must be leaking this information. Nobody there was. It was Elisha. He found out it was Elisha. So he's like, we're going to go kill that guy. So in the middle of the night, the Syrian army went and surrounded the city or the place where the prophet Elijah was staying. And here's what happened next. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So when Elisha's servant saw the troops, he freaked out. And you guys probably would too. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they were surrounded by warriors who were upset with Elisha because he kept leaking the battle plans. They were in trouble, but look at Elisha's response. Don't be afraid, Elisha said, for there are more on our side than on theirs. I bet Elisha was starting to sound a little crazy right now. Like, they weren't even ready for battle. Like, they just woken up. I mean, just imagine people coming out of their tents like, what's going on here? They weren't ready. But, and people who believe that nothing exists beyond our five physical senses, they're always going to struggle with faith. Always going to struggle. You'd think, you'd think that Elisha, he was just hopeful, right? He was just saying something that wasn't true in order to make his servant feel better, hoping that it would come true. But that's not it at all. That's not what Elisha was doing because Elisha knew the truth. He saw with his spiritual eyes. And the key to understanding this is to realize there is another realm of reality beyond our physical world. It's called the spiritual realm. And if you think about it, it's quite humorous that we even have a hard time understanding this because our physical world was created by the spiritual realm. So y'all, what happened? Did the spiritual just up and leave after it created the physical world? No, it's still here and it's more real than the world that we live in. We just can't see it. Well, let's see how this story ended up. Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. 
The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Y'all, this guy was already looking around with his physical eyes, the servant. So it's not like this was some kind of physical healing where he was blind and now he can see. No, his spiritual eyes were opened. Something similar to this happened to me just a few months ago. I was outside at dusk. It was almost dark, walking, trying to calm down after a long day, after putting the kids to bed. Sometimes you just got to go take a breather. (sighs) But it was almost dark, and so I was just walking around, kind of watching the weird shadows that are cast from the streetlights and stuff like that. And I just began to pray out loud. I was like, God, it's kind of scary out here. I don't think I'm going to do this again. Normally, I walk during the day. And immediately after that left my mouth, my spiritual eyes were open, and I saw two big angels walking the street with me. And this is the first time that's ever happened to me. But I know that it's true because in Psalm 91.11, it says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Y'all, I didn't see the angels with my physical eyes. It's not like I was like, hey, great to see you. Glad you're here. No, it was with my physical eyes. It's kind of like imagination, but your imagination connects with your spirit and you know it's just something that God gave you. You see, with human imagination, you, you know you're daydreaming about something that may or may not come true. But with godly imagination, when he opens your spiritual eyes, you know. There's some, it connects with your spirit. And one more thing that I want you to notice about Elisha's servant is that when his spiritual eyes were open, the physical problem didn't disappear. The Syrian army was still there. It just wasn't scary anymore. You see, true faith doesn't deny physical truth. It refuses to let physical truth dominate spiritual truth. Ponder that for a minute. I'm going to say it again. True faith does not deny physical truth. It refuses to let physical truth dominate spiritual truth. I mean, how silly would it have been for this guy to still be afraid after seeing heaven's armies on the hillside? Crazy. But when we only pay attention to the physical realm, like our our symptoms, the bills that need to be paid, our broken relationships, we just cower down and we beg God, please show up. I need you. But when we open our spiritual eyes, we're like, hey, wait a minute. Jesus has already conquered sickness. He's already done it. The windows of heaven are already open and pouring out blessings. God's already given me the wisdom that I need to nurture relationship. My spiritual eyes are open. And this is what moves you into faith. So when you experience a symptom in your body, you don't act like it's not there. That's what makes people think you're crazy. You simply respond with peace. I know Jesus already took care of this. And I'm at rest. I'm at peace. Because I know that I'll see my healing come to pass. You don't have to spend four hours on WebMD trying to figure out your symptom. All that's going to do is fill you with doubt and unbelief. It's going to make it hard for you to receive from God. And I made a vow a few months ago to stop doing that. Hey, I'll confess. I used to do that every time something would happen. And then I think it was last month, I was drinking a glass of water. There were some lemon seeds at the bottom. And it just kind of went down the wrong pipe. I felt like the lemon seed went into like my lungs. Like that's what it felt like. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, uh, is that even possible? I was, I was resisting Google. You know, I was resisting WebMD. But I couldn't resist anymore. And I went to WebMD and I started looking it up. And then I was filled with all kinds of doubt and unbelief. Because it's like, this means that you could have this kind of disease. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why did I do this? So then I had to spend a whole week getting rid of my doubt and unbelief so that I could believe God, and then all those symptoms went away. Y'all, WebMD can, like, create some symptoms in your life. I'm pretty sure it's the devil, so y'all should stay off of it. That's just a pro tip for you. All right. We got to rest, knowing that these things will not overtake us. 
You know, just like the scripture said, faith is evidence of the things we can't see. To make this even more clear, you could say faith is the spiritual evidence of the things that we can't see. Faith is when you open your spiritual eyes and you see what's already been done in the spirit and you realize it's more powerful than what's taking place currently in your physical realm. This is about the point where some people start thinking, Cade, this isn't normal. This is weird. Like, Cade, you're a practical guy. How can you even be talking about this kind of stuff? Well, you're right. It's not normal. But if you wanted to be normal, y'all wouldn't be here at church investing your time to get closer to God. You wouldn't be here. So you don't want to be normal anyway, so you might as well just cast aside what's normal and decide to do this God's way. The Apostle Paul explains this really well in 1 Corinthians 2.14. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So if you're struggling today, thinking all this is foolishness, all you got to do is open your spiritual eyes to see the truth. And God wants you to understand. So all you got to do is ask him, God, help me open my spiritual eyes so that I can understand this. Stop being so stubborn. I want to end by making this practical. Okay, here's the practical side of me coming out. I got to give you some practical steps. I want you to show you, I want to show you what a life of faith looks like in 2020. But first, I got to show you why it's so important to live this life of faith. And it's because it's impossible to please God without it. You can't please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So faith is absolutely essential if you want to get close to God. Can't get close to him without it. You can't receive anything from God without faith. So let this motivate you to start living your life by faith starting today if you aren't already. You can do this. You guys have faith that your text message will travel through the air and hit the other person's phone Surely you can have faith in the one who created you. You can do this. Let me give you four ways to actively live by faith. Here's the first one. I will believe God even when I don't see it. You know, when you get on a plane, the flight attendant goes through this long list of things that you got to know before you get up into the air. It's pretty boring. So most people just put on their headphones and don't listen. But if this is your first time flying, like you're listening (laughs) to every word, what's this lady saying? And there's a point where they say, in the event of an emergency, oxygen masks will drop down. Go ahead and place it firmly on your face. And even though you don't see it, oxygen is flowing and it is safe to breathe. And at this point, all the people who are new to flying, they get up out of their seat and they say, you're telling me to put my trust in something that I can't see? Get me off of this plane. No, nobody does that. We all think, oh, okay, sounds great. Thanks for looking out for me, right? But when God asks us to believe him for things that we can't see, we throw a fit. God, if you really loved me, you'd do this right now, right? How can you expect me to trust you for healing when all I see is sickness? Mm-hmm. Caught you. Caught myself. It's laughable how quick we are to believe a person who tells us to believe in something we can't see, but we won't believe God whenever he tells us to believe in something we can't see. If you want to live a life of faith, you have to decide, I'm going to believe God even when I don't see it. It seems crazy until you realize that you believe in things you can't see every day. So you might as well do the same thing with God. Here's the next one. I will praise God even when I don't feel like it. We talked about this in detail a few weeks ago. This is called a sacrifice of praise because you got to take your feelings to the altar, sacrifice and kill them, slay them, and praise God whether you feel like it or not. Were you all successful in that this morning? I didn't turn around and look at you, so I don't know. I hope we're making some progress, though. But that is faith. When you choose to praise God when your circumstances suck, that's because you're living a life of faith. You're living by faith, not by sight. 
You know God will come through, so you praise him even when you're hurting. You praise him even when you don't see it. You praise him even when you don't understand it because you know he's good. You know he loves you. God honors this kind of faith, and often we are only one sacrifice of praise away from seeing our miracle. Did y'all hear that? We're often one sacrifice of praise from seeing our miracle. Like it's right there. God's already provided it. He's just waiting for you to receive it through faith. And praise is what activates your faith and dismisses the doubt so that you can believe God. I hope somebody's getting this. We got to make a habit of praising God even when we don't feel like it because you just never know what it's going to produce in your life. And plus, he deserves it, y'all. He deserves it. Here's the next one. I will give to God even when it's inconvenient. Growing up, my parents made me tithe on birthday money. No joke. I hated it. And in case you don't know what the tithe is, it's whenever you give the first 10% of your income back to God. So 10% of my birthday money right off the top had to go to the church. I don't know if you realize this, but when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of money. So that 10% really messed up my plans for what I wanted to buy. But this practice of tithing, it carried into my adult life, mostly out of obligation, if I'm honest with you guys. And I remember writing that tithe check even when Beth and I didn't have a real grocery budget. Like we were making casseroles, dividing them up into eight sections, and you only eat one section each. Because if you ate another one, that was tomorrow's lunch, and you're going to be hungry the next day. It was inconvenient to tithe. But we believed the Word of God, and I believed, I believed that if I was obedient to tithe, just like it says in Malachi 3.10, The windows of heaven would open and pour out a blessing so much that I could not contain it. So year after year after year, we continued to tithe, but there was no evidence that the windows of heaven were open. We were still eating casseroles. I was still driving a car that smelled like cat pee. The belt squeaked. It barely got up to speed on the highway, y'all. Like it had an engine that was just barely big enough. But we continued to believe God, even though we didn't see it. We continued to give even when it was inconvenient. And eventually, years later, it took a long time, we saw the results of our faith. I hope it doesn't take you as long as it took me. You know, the scriptures say you got to be faithful in little before he'll trust you with much. Apparently, it took me years to get faithful with little. So that's me. Y'all can shorten the trip, all right? Just learn to be faithful with little. But I'm baffled at how much God has blessed my business endeavors now. Like, he gives me the secrets to generating income. If I, just, if I just ask him and listen, he be like, here, do this. And often at first it sounds crazy. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, that's going to work? Okay, God, I'll do it. And I do it anyways. And you know what the results are? God results every time. And I don't believe any of this would have happened if we didn't first give when it was inconvenient. That was step one, year after year after year after year after year. And it's only the beginning of what he wants to do in our lives. You know, if you tithe for a few weeks or a few months and then give up because you didn't see the results of it, you weren't given in faith because faith doesn't give up. Faith says, I don't need to see immediate results because I trust God. His word is true. So I know that the windows of heaven are open and I will see the results of it. Y'all, my blessing's on the way. I don't know why it's taking so long, but I still trust God that it's going to get here and I don't want to stop its travel. So I will give even when it's inconvenient. I'm sure y'all just love that one. Here's the next one. I will trust God even when I don't understand. Have you ever noticed how God does not always respond how we want him to or when we want him to? Like, especially when we want him to. Like, there are some things in my life right now that I think God should be moving a little quicker than he is. Like, he's shown me some things that he's going to do in my life, but they ain't here yet. And I think that they should already be here. 
Where are they? But how many of you know that God's way is better? That God's timing is better? Y'all, God knows everything. He knows the future. So surely (laughs) we can trust him to do it the right way at the right time every time. You see, faith enables you to stay at peace in the gap between when you release your faith and see the result. When we, ask some, when we ask God for something, we know we're in faith when we believe that it's already been done. Even though I don't see it, I know it's already been done. Sure, there may be a gap of time between when I prayed and when I actually saw it done here in this physical world, but I'm not going to doubt that it's going to happen because I know it's coming. It's kind of like when you send that text message. You don't press send and then wonder if it's going to make it over there. You know, just after a moment of time, it's going to make it to the next person. Sometimes you wish you could take it back, right? Ah, oh, dang it, why did I send that? But it's a great picture of what faith looks like, what it means to operate in faith. You send out your faith, and you know it's going to produce the result. It may be immediately, it may be the next day, it may be months from now, but it will come to pass. And no matter how long it takes, you trust God. No matter how he gets it done, you trust God. That is faith. So if you've been asking God for healing every day for the past five years, that's why you haven't seen the result. You're not in faith. You're hoping. And hope is not a bad thing, y'all. I'm not knocking on hope, faith, hope, and love. Those are the three that are going to last forever, right? But hope is the precursor to faith. So at some point, you got to kind of move on over. I'm going to jump over into faith, and I'm going to trust God. Even though I don't see it now, I know that it's already been done. And actually, when you're in faith, the result never surprises you. Like, it doesn't matter how long it takes. If it was years later, it shows up, and you're like, well, duh. Like, like I knew it was coming. I heard a story recently of a woman who had an enlarged thyroid, which is in your neck. It just kind of looks like a huge growth on her neck. Like it was pretty ugly. And she was at a healing event and went up for prayer and she just, she knew that she was healed. And so she got in front of the the crowd and she's like, y'all, I'm healed. But y'all, she still had the growth on her neck and people are just kind of like, yeah, praise, (laughs) praise God. Right. And they're just like, you know, maybe it'll happen when she gets home or something like that. Well, the next year, a year later, she went to the same event And she got up in front of the people, and she said, y'all, she gave her testimony, I've been healed. She still had the growth on her neck. And people were just kind of, they were a little worried about her, but they didn't say anything. Next year, year three, she gets up. She does the same thing. Y'all just want to praise God because I've been healed. The growth was still there. And at this point, the leadership of the event is like, you know, will you just stop sharing your testimony until it's actually been done? And she was frustrated because she knew that she had already been healed. Like this, this growth, it wasn't even bothering her anymore. But she went to the Lord in prayer and she said, Lord, I know you've healed me, but for the sake of these unbelievers, would you just remove this off of my neck? And it disappeared. (laughs) Seriously. Are y'all getting this? We're going to continue this next week. So I want you all to engage in this series. I want you to think about it throughout the week because one message on this is not enough. When we've been living life, our lives of unbelief and of doubt, it takes a little bit of time to get that out of our lives. So dive in. And a good place to go is if you want to like continue learning on this is listen to Andrew Womack because he's just like a pro at teaching faith. He's a pro at teaching healing. You got, he's funny to listen to, too. He has an, a nice accent, <laughs> nice Texas accent, but it's good stuff. So it's time for the church to do what Jesus instructed us to do. He said, miraculous signs will follow those who believe. Where are they? They should be following us when we believe, and we're going to see them. The doubt and unbelief, it's time for it to go. And I'm excited for what God's going to do. So y'all, let's pray together. Lord, we extend our faith today, and 
we trust you. (laughs) We thank you for renewing our minds today. We thank you for driving out doubt and unbelief. Lord, reveal that in our lives. Reveal every area of our life where we're in doubt, where, or maybe some circumstance in the past or some lie that was told to us is just causing us to doubt. Reveal those things so that we can work on eliminating them, getting them out of our lives. And Lord, I ask that you touch our hearts every day during this week and say, hey, go hear the word. And lead us to those teachings and those scriptures that we need right now in this moment, because I know it's going to be different for every person. Lord, your word says your Holy Spirit is our helper, and I know for sure that he can help us know exactly what we need to listen to, because there's a lot of stuff out there. But you'll help us come across the right things for us in this season of our lives. Lord, I thank you for the miracles that are going to happen in this place. And I thank you that once we get this, the miracles don't stop, but they continue to follow us just like your word says that they will. Lord, we know what you do with these miracles. You draw people into the kingdom, the kingdom of God. I mean, why would people come to know God if we don't have anything to give them other than what the world already gives them? We need the supernatural. We need the spiritual. We need our spiritual eyes to be open. We need to be operating in the gifts that you've given us, the gifts of discernment, the gifts of prophecy, tongues and interpretation, the gift of healing, the gift of faith, the gift of miracles. Lord, I believe you put all those gifts inside this church. And that through this series, we're going to discover them. anybody want to extend their faith today? There's a scripture that says, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. There's so many ways that Jesus heals. <laughs> he, gave, he gave us so many ways because he knew we would struggle with it. He's like, here, do this or do this or do this. I mean, like, do anything. Just believe me, right? So lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you want to extend your faith for that right now, you want to come up to the front so I can lay my hands on you and see you recover? Come on up. some more coming. And I need everybody in the room to just extend their faith with us. Don't sit out there and doubt. Shove that doubt to the side and believe with us. I'm going to start over here. I know what this miracle that needs to happen. Lord, I speak to this mind and I command it to operate and function exactly as you planned it to. I thank you for the joy that's all over this baby up here. 
Lord, we know what the doctor said, but we know what your word says and what your word says is true. So I speak wholeness over this body in Jesus' name from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Everything functions exactly as it should, exactly as you planned for it. You formed us perfectly in the womb and we are not gonna accept anything less. So we just thank you for complete and total healing in the name of Jesus. And I speak peace over this mama and over the daddy in Jesus' name that they will trust you and they will rest in you because it's already been done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, brother. I don't know what you came up here for, but it doesn't matter. I don't need to know. Is it a physical healing? Yeah? Like stiffness or? Yeah? Let's just go ahead and complete that healing then. Yeah. Yeah, don't go. I feel the anointing all over you, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah it really does. It really doesn't matter what it is because there's nothing greater than, than the one that's on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you need to say that every day because every time that Satan tries to pull that crap back up on you, you just tell him, no. Okay? Okay. In Jesus' name, yeah. In Jesus' name, you are healed right now. Right now. Whether you feel it right at this moment, it's like Kate was telling that story a while ago. That story was for you. Because for some reason, it's, it's you know, the Lord's telling me this morning that, that it's just been told and it's been told and it's been told and it's been told through, I don't know, through your family or, or through the ones around you that, you know, this is the way it is. And it's not anymore. Today is a change for you. And it's mainly in your mind going into your heart this morning that you are healed. You're going to walk out of here and you're healed and you're going to keep on saying it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what destiny, you just need to keep on saying that. No matter what the doctors say or anybody else. Amen. Amen. It's done, man. Are you up here too? What's going on? Yes. All right, she wants healing for her eyes. And uh, you know what? Healing for diabetes, too. Let's just get them both taken care of. Yeah, give God praise for that. Amen. Beth, do you need to get up here and prophesy? Okay. She'd be telling me her, her some prophecies when we get home. I'm like, Beth, you, need, you should have told the church that. So I'm just going to make sure. Okay. All right, y'all.
Well, I don't like to get out of any service without giving you opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's the most important thing you can do. He wants you. He wants you in, in, in his life. He wants you in his kingdom. And all you got to do is say yes. The word says that confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. All your sins will be washed away. You'll be made free from sin and alive to God. And he'll connect you with your purpose. And you got a great life ahead of you. So it's that decision. You make it in your heart. It's that simple. There's no like special prayer. There's no secret words. You say, yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I want you in my life. Amen. And if you made that decision today, there is a journey that's ahead, and we want to help you on that journey. Um, we can't help you, though, if we don't know. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We would love to walk through that with you. Now, you guys might already know this, but we're passionate about missions and outreach here at No Limits. Actually, we have a guideline that states at least 10% of our income has to go outside these doors. And for the past two years, we've exceeded that by sending more than 20% of our income outside these doors. And we're on track to do the same thing this year. One of, the mission, one of the ministries we support every month is over in the Philippines. And Pastor Bonard over there in the Philippines sent me a few pictures yesterday of a feeding outreach that they did. And I wanted to show you one of them. Take a look. These are wonderful Filipino kiddos. They fed about 30 kiddos yesterday, and you guys were part of this through your giving. So how cool is it that what you give can impact lives all the way over in the Philippines? And I've never been there, so I don't know how long that trip is, but my dad has, and he says it is a long trip. So I mean, y'all, they are on the other side of the world, and we get to be a part of their lives. That's so awesome. So if you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, you can raise your hand for an offering envelope. One of our ushers will bring that to you. Or you can give anytime online. And how you do that is you type in nolimits.fyi into your browser on your tablet, phone, computer, tap the giving button, and that'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.